Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. Health on Monday, inclusive educations for students with disabilities. Uh, Dr. Ashley Subaya, who is the Information Access Officer at UK Residents Disability Office, joins us. Uh, Dr. Subaya, thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. Um, let's start here. A lot of these institutions we are, are very antiquated, right? The buildings are uh, years old in, in many instances where there's heritage involved. Some of these buildings could be older than 100 years Um you know, and, 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 and times have changed quite a bit um, in ways that perhaps the world didn't function in 50, 60 years ago. But today, it is as important for somebody with some mobility limitation to have access uh, to institutions as those without those disability uh, uh, or limitations. Are we doing enough in rethinking our institutions, both infrastructure and culturally to be more inclusive good evening oliver thank you for having me on the show um yes you asked such a pertinent question and particularly uh you know in this month uh the uh disability rights awareness uh month and and we you know i think the theme this year speaks volumes from the the, the question that you just asked you know it's talking about empowering persons with disabilities through resourceful, sustainable, and safe environments. And many of our institutes, especially some of the, uh, the more established institutes, they, they, are, they have buildings and structures that are considered as heritage uh, sites. Uh, and it is challenging. It's challenging to actually navigate um, the university infrastructure to make them more accessible. But a lot of the institutes are critically looking at this. Um, and I think the, the two years that we've had now uh, due to the COVID pandemic has made them actually critically look at how education is delivered. We, mm. we can't think 50 years ago anymore. We've actually got to really get uh, in line with the fourth industrial revolution, think creatively about how teaching and learning is delivered. Uh, it's you know the classroom is no longer uh, a series of students sitting in front of a chalkboard. Mm. Uh, majority of the time, the students are in front of uh, their screens. So you know at at UKZN we've we've really uh, jumped on board the train of developing digital platforms. Um, you know in terms of the spaces, it is a long term project. We understand that it, it is something that. Uh, investment is required in order to make all spaces totally accessible. But our, our, that's our disability unit. It comes in to advise and to work together with the internal stakeholders at the Institute, mm. you know, to advise on which areas, you know, are, are critical areas. And we've got to do it step by step. Uh, it's not uh, a utopian situation overnight. But, you know, Every little step in the right direction will help make the infrastructure accessible. But I think more importantly, it is our digital platforms that is going to really enhance what the uh, student with disability is going to be able to access 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, digital digitalization or digitizing learning resources comes at a cost. Many institutions have argued this. It's quite mm-hmm. expensive, especially when we're looking at digitizing um, really old manuscripts and old works, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond the cost of just the physical act of, uh, you know, transcribing, dig- uh, digitizing or transcribing, uh, 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 you know, learning resources for, say, students who learn in Braille or read in Braille. There's mm-hmm. also been the issue of the copyright protection. And a big judgment came out of the Concord, was it two, three months ago, on exactly mm-hmm. this issue, saying that, uh, you know, taking away, for instance, the copyright prohibitions that were in place, for instance, to, to transcribe books and textbooks specifically uh, mm-hmm. for Braille students. But it's still an expensive exercise outside of that. Um, our, from a resource perspective, are students with disabilities and, uh, uh, you know, limitations being supported sufficiently uh, as far as learning material is concerned? And we're not yet even talking about access to classrooms and access to facilities. We're just talking about access to the learning material. Yes, Oliver, a, a very good question. And the copyright uh, ruling actually was significant because it, it, it helped traverse a major barrier that was in place in the past. Many institutes, uh, including our own at UKZN, have invested heavily in reformatting services uh, to make content more accessible in whatever uh, uh, medium is, is you know, more effective for the students' learning. So, for example, we've had a reformatting service in place for a number of years, and, and you know, we've taken major steps in uh, the last two years in formalizing that structure. Um, and, you know, even with that service in place, we must still remember that the student with disability, when they come to university, are at a slight disadvantage because all learners will have access to the learning material from day one, from yeah. the day that the booklet is printed with all their notes, they're getting it. Now, a student with disability will have to go via a, a service such as a reformatting service, which will convert that into an accessible means for them. It, there is a slight delay in, in getting them that, whether it be an hour or a day uh, or even longer. Sometimes Braille takes longer to produce. So, you know, they have a slight disadvantage in that. But institutes, um, and I can speak from my experience at UKZN, I've made a concerted effort towards equalizing access of the learning material. Uh, and I think we've also, you know, as persons with disabilities, we've also got to be... Um, you know, look at our experience and look at what is going to be uh, the most practical, most uh, easily accessible material. For example, Braille, uh, it takes time to produce. It's also, it, mm. it's cost, and it can be cumbersome as well, because if you look at a standard-sized textbook, it's about 1,000 pages. When you convert that into Braille, sometimes you're getting about six, 8,000 pages after that. Mm. Is is it practical for a learner to engage with that amount of material? Whereas if we transition to a, a digital um, mode of operation and you're working with a screen reader and a laptop, you're getting instant access, it's, it's portable, it's mobile. I'm mean, not saying discard Braille because there's also technology like refreshable Braille panels and we've promoted a workshop and, and programs on training students with these refreshable Braille panels and electronic Braille note-takers, mm. which also provides them with, with you know, that access to what they prefer, but in a more modern and a, in, a, in a more comfortable manner. Mm-hmm. Not all um, 
disabilities are physiological limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes the awareness we have on disabilities are often those that manifest uh, physiologically. But some mm-hmm. disabilities manifest otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. One, how do we make sure that enough awareness is raised about that? But how mm-hmm. does the institution, how should institutions respond to those sorts of disabilities? Yes, Oliver, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming here you're talking about those that are invisible, the learning disabilities and, and mental health related uh, mm, mm. issues. And this is a major, major uh, focal point, I think, in the disability services sector at the moment, particularly over the last two years. We know that the population has experienced a number uh, of issues. Stress, anxiety levels are quite high. And you've got the onset uh, of mental health conditions that's been, you know, it, it, it's unprecedented. We ha- it's, it, and it's a global uh, issue as well. So, you know, by being conscious of this, by being conscious of the social environment that we're working in, um, and, you know, being aware of, 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 you know, the fact that we need to engage with the students, looking at their lived experience. You know, in, traditionally, reasonable accommodations when they... Uh, designed for students, you know, it was a very standardized sort of process. But we've got to actually really engage with the students and see, you know, what what sort of experiences they're going through and design the reasonable accommodations for them to suit them. And you might find that a student uh, cannot perform in a a traditional classroom sort of sense. They cannot perform in a traditional examination setting. And you might have to adjust either you know, adopting some sort of digital platform to deliver that uh, assessment or, you know, uh, creating a, a space, a safe space for them, uh, mm-hmm. you know, an isolated venue. These are all things you can only do by actually engaging with the student and seeing what the lived experience is mm-hmm. and engaging with, uh, with the disabled uh, community. It, it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Mm-hmm. And, and, it is, and it is something that we've noticed and we are projecting uh, our services moving strongly in that direction to cater to these students. Mm. Give us a call 086-000-2032, 086-000-2032. Also taking your WhatsApp voice notes on our WhatsApp line on 0614-104-107, 0614-104-107. And I want to hear from you as you're listening to this conversation. What has your experience been like in any of our institutions of higher learning in South Africa as a student over there? Have you felt that enough is being done and was done to make the space more inclusive uh, and accessible for you, both the physical space, but also uh, the learning material? You know, have, mm-hmm. have, have you found that it, it's, it's made it near impossible in certain instances uh, for you to be able to access learning and teaching uh, in ways that other students have been able to access it? Again, you can give us that call on 086-000-2032. And we're also taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. Again, please... Uh, <laughs> This girl won't play your voice notes if it's longer than a minute and if, I, if we can't hear you properly. So make sure that you turn down the radio, record your voice notes and make sure that it's shorter than a minute. Otherwise, you can just give us that call actually and we can give you much longer time to chat to us on 86 
0.2032. Let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we speak about the cultural limitations that exist in our institutions that make accessibilities for students who are living with disabilities much harder. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. Keep us at call on 086-000-2032, taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. Dr. Subaya, beyond just establishing the policies uh, that are necessary, for instance, to enable an environment that is inclusive, to make sure that enough money is being spent on the right resources and materials to make institutions more inclusive and accessible for students living with disabilities, beyond just investing in the infrastructure, there is also the cultural element, right? People with Mm. disabilities across the board are still facing a great deal of social stigma and social exclusion, and that too Mm. contributes to the learning experience and the teaching experience to a large extent as well um, are we investing enough resources both you know monetary resources as well as intellectual resources into thinking about how do we culturally shape our institutions to be inclusive yes Oliver you know that's a that's a major concern and uh, you know often we we see students now at the high education level they've already gone through the basic education system uh, which in many ways you see that that societal issue and there's um, a lot of social uh, stigma and discrimination at those levels internally within you know the the family and within the communities uh, from which they they, they, they come and, um, and there's a lot of archaic uh, sort of views on persons with disabilities as well and it, unfortunately that is that is the case uh, in many parts of South Africa. But I think, you know, if if we start to actually implement at the lower levels of basic education, more social integration, you know, in a classroom situation, you've got, if you've got learners with and without disabilities sitting next to each other, uh, and you inculcate that sort of uh, environment, you know, where you can embrace the differences of individuals and see them, uh, see their abilities rather than the disability, and we get that at a young age, you'll see the situation actually uh, be much much better when the student has graduated to, to the higher levels of education. But saying that, in, in higher education, there's a conscious effort by many disability support units and disability rights units across the country um, to work towards social integration of the students. We're not just looking at support academically. Um, you know, at UKZN, there's a big drive now to promote uh, sporting codes um, for, for for disability sports, uh, you know, because students want to have the full experience at university. They want to engage socially. They want to engage yeah. in, on the sports field. And that's important. That's important to the development of, of the psyche of the individual. So there is investment there. But I would not say that it's, it, it's a, it, enough investment because in, traditionally we've always invested in promoting the academic project and maybe what we need to look at going forward is further investment in the holistic development of that student. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, how do you know that you're on the right path with, with all of these initiatives? What's, uh, is there a solid feedback loop? And I mean, you can't speak for all institutions, but maybe at KZN, how do you know, how do you measure impact? You know, Oliver, that's a tricky thing because it's very difficult to get feedback from students if you do it in a very structured sort of, you know, if you produce a questionnaire or something and ask them to fill it, you're never going to get a response. But 
the way you can gauge how your what impact you're getting, I think, at an institute is by engagement with uh, the students directly. We've got, you know, recently we held the 2022 uh, online disability research in Daba, and one of the key things that was highlighted was that you've got to engage with the community to understand what the lived experience is. Um, Qualitative analysis is is what's required, and you know when you're trying to find out what the impact really is on the ground, and and hearing the voice of uh, the person with disability. So you know they always um, we use the the common term you know, nothing without us and nothing about us uh, without us. Yeah, and I think that is it. That that is uh, sums it up in essence. You got it, the, the voice of the person with disability it has to be the strongest one. Uh, to gauge the impact and to see if what we are doing is is the right path. Yeah, uh, give us a call zero eight six triple zero two zero three two zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. Also taking your WhatsApp voice notes on zero six one four one zero four one zero seven one zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. Tweet me at Oliver underscore speaking. But we are taking your calls right now on 086-000-2032. What has your experience been like um, as a person living with a disability in institutions of higher learning? What are we, are we or are institutions listening to you correctly? And are they acting on the engagements that they have with students with disabilities and making sure that they make institutions and spaces a lot more inclusive, therefore making the learning experience a lot more inclusive one. Again, the number to dial is 080614 That if you would like to send us a WhatsApp voice note. But if you want to call us, 86 uh, 0 Dr. Subaya, let me take the conversation here. Uh, quite interestingly, last month you guys hosted researchers from universities across the world and they presented research that uh, has been done on d- disabled persons and peoples with disabilities. Um, the epistemic work being done in that space is incredibly important um, because oftentimes we overlook that uh, you, you know uh, research field. But mm-hmm. from the research that's being done, is there a sense that there is extensive thinking really going into the and without anthropologizing people living with disabilities right for the mm-hmm. sake of academic uh, fascination is there real you know thinking work going into uh, the space about the lives and lived experiences of people with disabilities yes Oliver you know there they, they is and there is and I think what has been pertinent in this in this area is that a lot of the research is being conducted by persons with disabilities themselves. You know, they're being the agents uh, of change. They're being empowered uh, and uh, using the opportunities to become their own agents of change. And, and the research presented by a number of persons with disabilities is encouraging because it's providing insights that are informing uh, the development of more um, equitable strategy implementation. Um, we, you know, a, a strong topic that actually uh, came up was, you know, the, the lived experience of the person with disability, uh, reasonable accommodations, you know, to, uh, the traditional reasonable accommodation versus the more flexible uh, reasonable accommodation arrangements that need to be made by understanding what that lived experience translates uh, 
to that person. Uh, so, you know, and, you know, looking at also modernizing the field of disability support, uh, because I think, you know, when an institute in the past has found a way to deliver um, equitable content to its students, maybe they're too entrenched in that. And you need to actually move with, with the times. Because trust me, persons with disabilities, they're on the ball with technology just as much as everyone else. Uh, so when they see new assistive technology coming out, uh, they're jumping to it because mm. that's going to provide them with greater access to the whole world. Um, mm. And, you know, in, in, encouragingly, you know, if you look globally, um, maths and science fields are where we're finding a lot of persons with disabilities thriving. It's just sad that in South Africa, we're not seeing that because we're not seeing it um, encouraged in the basic education sector enough. Mm-hmm. Give us a call, 086-000-2032. Dr. Subaya, um, of course, this space requires a lot of peer review type of work, especially when you're working in the space of, of creating ideas and, and, and implementing those ideas in, in at, at an institutional level. You look to peer institutions to see what they're doing, what's working for them and what's not working for them. Mm-hmm. For the University of KwaZulu-Natal, who are your peer partners? Who are you looking to uh, for, uh, you know, for data, for support, for ideas, uh, for collaboration as far as creating inclusive institutions of higher learning is concerned for people living with disabilities? Um, Oliver, so we are a a member of uh, the Higher uh, and Further Education Disability Services Association of South Africa. I think um, most of the 26 major institutes in South Africa are members. Um, and what we are doing is we are collectively uh, working, um, you know, to promote the uh, empowerment uh, agenda for disability rights across the country. Uh, and one of the interesting um, programs that we run at UKZN, which has been taken on board, I think, by Headset to promote throughout the country, is the Disability Equality Training uh, framework. Uh, and that is, you know, to move away from the traditional medical model of understanding disability to one that actually looks uh, more from a social perspective. So exactly what we're talking about tonight is about equity, uh, about, you know, diversity and, and embracing that um, rather than just looking at, okay, this is the impairment and this is what you've got to do to, to integrate. Um, and We've also, you know, in terms of our South African Sign Language, we, we're engaging with uh, all the major institutes in the country through the Pan-South African Language Board, working towards uh, the officialization and standardization of South African Sign Language. And that's, that's a really, um, you know, pertinent area to be working in at the moment because, uh, you know, we anticipate that it, uh, SASL um, will become the 12th official language very soon. Uh, Dr. Zubai, you make a distinction here, and I think it's quite quite a, uh, an important one, and maybe you want to spend some time explaining it to us. You make a distinction between disability as a medical consideration and disability as a social consideration. What mm-hmm. is that difference, and why is it an important distinction to make? So, you know, in the past, Oliver, you know, um, historically, disability has been viewed as, you know, as a medical condition. So a medical practitioner would give a diagnosis and... Everything, uh, um, you know, that pertains to that person's accommodations or pertains to that person, the way that person is supposed to actually live, was decided from a medical point of view. But, you know, 
if a, for example, if a person is blind, uh, you know, they, you've got to view the person as well. The person is, uh, you know, is multifaceted. It's, it's, it's more intricate than just the medical condition that they, uh, that's caused the blindness. They're a person with desires, with talents, with skills. Uh, you know, they've got downs, they've got um, uh, ups in life. You know, you've got to look at how they are, um, you know, how they are going to integrate into into life. Having a disability is not the end of the world. You can be a highly productive member of society, um, contributing to, you know, to social and public uh, life. So, you know, we, it's not just, you're not just tagged with a medical condition. Yeah. And that's it. That's the be all and end all. Mm-hmm. But but the, the medical consideration is still an important one, nonetheless. Um, for instance, um, and of course, you can only speak to what UKZN is doing. But what are institutions looking to do more broadly as far as medical support is cons- uh, considered for people with uh, li- living with disabilities and limitations? Well, you know, in terms of medical support, uh, you know, that's medical practitioners are going to have to, you know, deal with it with their patients on an individual basis. I mean, if you're a person without a disability, you could need a, a medical support. I mean, that's yeah. uh, that's a campus uh, health clinic sort of issue to deal with. Uh, but you know, like I said, being blind, being deaf. Um, uh, Give us a call, 86 and we're taking your WhatsApp voice note on 614 Let's have a listen to some of your WhatsApp voice notes uh, on the WhatsApp line on the other side of this. Let's take a quick break. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. 
bit of technical problems in the studio right now so we are unable to unfortunately take some of your voice notes and engagement that's come through on this conversation in this hour um yeah quite unfortunate uh but just to wrap this up uh dr subaya um you know this this obviously is an important conversation and and disability awareness is 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 a big part of uh what what's taking place programmatically this month across the country as well as here in SAFM and this is why this conversation is such an important one um talk to us about the uh, awareness initiatives that uh, the institution has embarked on and will be embarking on um and how can the student body participate Thank you, Oliver. Oliver, so, you know, we've come to the point of the, of the year now where we're wrapping up our, our academic year. So many of the programs have already uh, uh, been uh, concluded. Um, and we, like I said, we had the uh, 2022 Disability Research in Daba, uh, which was a, you know, re- research-orientated program. We've also done um, a uh, disability sports uh, and disability equality training day. Um, which was, uh, you know, very successful uh, with a number of students with disabilities participating in, in several codes of uh, disability sports. Um, we've uh, we've also, um, you know, had uh, several campus outreach uh, programs, uh, and you know, most of them have focused on, on on sport and you know cultural activities as well. And I think in, you know, in closing off the year, uh, we've got, uh, another disability, uh, equality training that we're going to be running for our postgraduate students and, uh, our differently able student, uh, association, uh, you know, leaders. Um, you know, leadership is important, uh, in the disability community and we want to capacitate, uh, those, uh, leaders and future leaders with the knowledge and um, the skills for advocacy um, that will make them agents of change in a, hopefully, a a new and more uh, inclusive and accessible um, South Africa. Our voice note line finally seems to be back with us. Let's have a listen to some of your voice notes before we wrap this up. Uh, Good afternoon, Oliver. I've been listening to your guest. But now what, what touches me is to say uh, 26 of the higher high institutions here in South Africa are members of the association that, she, uh, that he is talking about. Ask for me there, is Walter Sully here in Umtata a member? I'm a blind person. I started wanting to, to end uh, Walter Sully in the year 2005 until 2017. And I decided that if I cannot uh, study here nearby my home where else could i go thank you yeah mr dixon and to the safm listeners yeah from a disabled point of view being visionally impaired ah, it's super hard because you can't even get employment even though you have matric you have lots of work experience you have even tertiary experience but i You've been shut down because obviously of your disability, but you are able to do the work regardless. Thanks. 
And thank you so much for those voice notes. Really, really do appreciate it. Uh, to yourself, Dr. Ashley Subaya, really, really appreciate your time this evening. And thank you so much for the critically important uh, work that you're doing at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. Um, and thank you for your time this evening. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Oliver. Let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we close off with a very fascinating conversation uh, with a lady in, who's working, importantly, in the space of creating monetization opportunities for women farmers and emerging farmers. Uh, Mbo Maisela, the director of SE Holdings, on the other side of this.